So welcome back, everybody. I am uh, Sam's co-host this week um, because we are all exhausted from hosting our drag show, but I am not alone. So my name is Becca. Uh, this is Queer Halftime. I use she, they pronouns. That was wildly out of order. Um, and I am here with the wonderful Eli. Hi. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah. Um, Eli, what do you want people to know about you? Well, um... I'm the founder of uh, Spacious Human, and it's an organization that's meant to give people the opportunities to examine their hidden beliefs and emotions around femininity, masculinity, and gender. And um, we create art experiences um, and workshops. And as you can see in the background, we have a book coming out called The Body Hair Experiment, and um, that's going to be coming out in January. And we also have, along with the book, we're going to have uh, a body hair experiences uh, for people to experiment on their own. Ooh, that sounds interesting. What is that about? Well, in my own, like my own personal journey around gender exploration started seven years ago, I would say, at the age of 50. And a key moment for me was when I first removed the hair off of my, well, most of my body, but particularly my legs, I I just couldn't believe that they were my legs. So I'm, a, you know, at that point, I've been married for 27 years and have three children. Um, and... I mean, the story, if I back up, um, is that I was going to Burning Man for the first time. <laughs> and um, like, I I really didn't know anybody who'd gone to Burning Man. That wasn't my, like, wasn't my social circles at all. Um, and I was not a costume person at all. So like when I got a ticket, which was just like three weeks before the event, I had to swing into action. Right. And, and like I I didn't have a camp and I ended up not really camping with a camp. I had to bring everything I needed to survive in the desert for three weeks. But I'm an organized person like uh, spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets and I'm, I create lists and pivot tables and, you know, all, all kinds of fun spreadsheets to get myself going. And once I get all of those technical details done, uh, I start to think about costumes. And I had never mm. been a costume person. So I go to a, a sale at a store called Abracadabra, which is a pretty you know, famous costume place here in New York. And it was a sale just for burners, just for burners. So I said, okay, I'm going. And I go there and the sale is down in the basement. And I hear like, you could hear like the din, some rumbling people down there. And when I get down there, I just see people just super excited. They're like ripping through the boxes that are on the floor. They're, you know, running through the the racks. They're getting practically naked in the, you know, in the store, just trying stuff on. So like, oh, this is a burner experience, right? Right now. <laughs> but but um, I'm looking around and like, what do you what do you want to wear? And I just drew a complete blank. And I like I felt nothing. 
And I already felt like a failure at Burning Man. Like I, I'm going out for radical self-expression <laughs> and I like, I have no idea, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's no way to fail at Burning Man. I've I've heard some pretty wicked stories coming out from it. I'm like, <laughs> right, right, uh, but that I hadn't been there yet, so I didn't know. I didn't know that that was That's the fair. case. I agree with you. So I'd actually I'd gone back to my friend who recommended, like, she's the one who clued me and said, "Hey, Eli, you should go to Burning Man." And I tell her about the experience, and she says, "Oh, don't worry about this. You, you live and work in New York City. You." work actually right next to the garment district. We're going to go shopping. And we went to these fabric and trim stores. And she said, just buy anything that you like, anything. Don't think about a costume. And so we took everything that I bought over to another friend and, you know, it turned into like a Tarzan costume and Ooh, uh, like cool. a sexy wrestler costume <laughs> and like this golden burner pharaoh costume i'm describing them but they weren't exactly on point but close enough and then we had this uh blue stretchy spandex fabric that we didn't do anything with and she wraps it around me and she says you know what take this wig it's a purple wig just like a short boy cut wig mm -hmm. go go into the other room where the mirror is and and see what you think so i wrapped the i wrapped the fabric around me and like a slit forms naturally like right from my hip and it goes all the way down to my toes and i look nice. in the mirror and i'm like who is this person like who who you know i was just in complete shock i i couldn't believe it and i had this um like this impulse right away. Oh, I want to get the hair off of my legs and almost my whole body. So I go home to my wife of 27 years and I'm going to Burning Man without her. She's not going. And I tell her that I want to take the hair off of my body, but I don't even know. I have, I'm clueless. I have no idea. Um, and in what I consider like this epic act of love, the day before I'm headed out to Burning Man, she brings me into the bathroom and we break out the nair. And she starts. Oh, nair. <laughs> yes. Oh, nair. Right. So there I am. What can I say about nair for people who, who may not have had the experience? That is some. Uh, it's got a little the yeah, stuff. <laughs> the the smell feels like it could burn your nostrils. Yeah, and it man, terrible. I you know I don't know what the language uh, like um, what language is acceptable here on the podcast. Go for it. Okay, so th <laughs> that that shit burns. My nipples <laughs> were burning. I like my arms. What an what an amazing I'll say amazing experience! Like she start she showed me how, and then she said you do the rest, and I did. And by the end, there's hair. I mean, I never remove the hair off my body ever. So this is like a lot of hair, and it mm -hmm. looked like a massacre. There's hair on the walls. <laughs> there's hair everywhere. 
But after I clean all that up and I put lotion on because I'm like really burnt up. Yeah. I start looking at my calves. And I cannot believe I'm mesmerized by my own calves. Like I've been living with these legs for my whole life, 50 years at that point. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe they were mine. And so like that was the moment, I guess, that gender arrived for me. I didn't know it at the time. But like I looked at my legs the whole fly flight out. You know, I was wearing these like uh, um, cutoff shorts like from my knee. So I'm looking at my calves the whole way. And, um, you know, out there, I got to really open my eyes to how much work we do to create to create gender and it's like a lot of work right mm-hmm. so like i knew that like there are a lot of women that remove the hair from their legs right i knew that like i'm not living in a cave i knew that my whole life but i yeah. did not know what was involved like there's a lot of work <laughs> and how much yeah. money and how much effort how much time are people like um, you know, spending and expending every day for just that one piece of what I call the gender theater. And when I came back from Burning Man, I decided that if I don't keep some, at least one reminder on my body, I'm going to forget that I don't have to just live in the man box because it's it's so powerful. It's Everybody, like, I would say everybody, but there's billions of people on this earth all playing their part to convince people that gender is very, you know, naturally occurring. But we have to work really hard. And uh, people do work really hard to make it happen. And I knew that I would forget. Anyway... That's that takes me to why I'm so interested in body hair. Like that was my first noticing. And um, so that prompted me to do this experiment where I removed the hair off of one side of my body, the left side of my body. And uh, I happened to get really lucky to connect with a really accomplished photographer who's credentials are amazing and really accomplished Ojang. And her work is in the Guggenheim and in museums around the world. And it like when I first met her, it was only to like to do a headshot. I had no idea when I asked her if she would photograph me. And it turns out she's like this really uh, super accomplished artist. So we did a photo shoot. I journaled about the experience and um, and uh, the book should be coming out soon. And it's really an invitation for people to, to notice. Um, it's an invitation for self-examination um, mm-hmm. and to think about people's relationship to the body here. And, since I've started working on this project, people approach me and people have some pretty intense histories with body hair. I was 
gonna ask about that yeah like I don't want to you know presume anything about your gender or sexuality but as someone who appears to be in like a straight marriage um how do like other like straight men react to you kind of pushing back on this man box uh I I think that it makes some people really really uncomfortable some people think it's a hoot, but a lot of men are, you know, have strong feelings about it. And I understand their strong feelings, right? I understand them um, because I, I had this experience, I would say, two years into my gender exploration. So this is two years after Burning Man. By then, let's say 60% of my clothing is being purchased from the women's department um but mostly like leggings tops accessories mm -hmm. uh not dresses yet so i'm in a vintage shop and i see this tank dress with like spaghetti straps it's this khaki spaghetti strap knit tank dress and i wonder mm -hmm hey what would it feel like to just to like have my body inside of this fabric like that you know like i had worn like i'd worn that dress at Burning man or a costume mm -hmm. but never like a regular dress dress and this is like a simple yeah a simple dress yeah there's definitely a difference like when you can say like oh it's just a costume right versus like right. your everyday right so just trying that on in the vintage shop, which I knew was totally cool. I, like I know it, but still I felt, I feel activated in my body. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like, okay, I'm going to buy it. And I'm going to take it to this dance or movement uh, practice that I do called five rhythms. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a, I'm it, not. it's um, a movement practice that um i've been doing now for seven years i say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to know what it feels like to move in this clothing i don't know if i want to feel mm -hmm. that so i also know that the crowd is super cool and it's, it's going to be fine yet i go there and i i can't put it on like I go, I brought an extra pair of shorts because I knew that, you know, just in case. And I did that three yeah. times before I finally had the courage. I had this like plan. Okay. The hardest part, I think, is like just like waiting, getting changing in the men's locker room and then waiting for waiting for the class to begin. So mm. I decided I'm going to put it on and keep it hiked up above my shorts and I'm wearing like these really short shorts it's really underwear but they look like gym shorts you know and so like I feel like I'm wearing shorts and a top yeah it's a spaghetti strap looks a kind whatever but I was it was comfortable enough anyway I get into the dance and I drop the fabric like 14 inches whatever it is that to cover my shorts mm -hmm. and immediately uh, my eyes just shut tight. Almost like a little kid who like feels like if they shut their eyes, they're invisible or something, you know, 
this like stage of development yeah. where you feel like <laughs> your eyes are closed, you don't exist. That's what it felt like. I can't like. see you. You can't see me. <laughs> and then I started to have these really intense feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like at any minute, even though I knew in my brain, like, like this is not true, but I feel it in my body that people are going to start punching me, kicking the shit out of me till I'm down on the floor. And I don't know where this is coming from because I was, you know, I grew up as a, I felt like a regular boy. You gave me a ball, any kind of ball. That's like, I was super happy. I wasn't somebody Mm. who felt like, oh, I wanted a dress up or I wanted to do my nails or I wanted you know, they to- they put me in the lane and I stayed in the lane, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's this feeling of trauma, of fear. And I'm calling it trauma. I don't know if it is technically or not, but it- I couldn't open my eyes for 15 minutes. And when I... Oh, wow. Right. And when I finally did and I started moving, of course, I started dancing with people and it was just an amazing experience. And... And one of the guys, one of the men who served in the military back in the day, in the bomb squad, in the bomb squad, tells me, hey, Eli, you have balls. Now, that's like the paradox of masculinity. You know, there's nothing dangerous about a piece of fabric. A bomb, yes, it's dangerous. So this is a long way of answering your question of, how do men feel? So sometimes I am triggering these really intense feelings. Um, and I try and remember with empathy, you know, what, what it takes to begin healing. So, yeah, no, I think that was a really wonderful explanation (laughs) of it. And I love like, I mean, that's such a a masculine compliment to such an unmasculine, like, move to say, like, you've got balls to, like, a man wearing a dress, which is quite funny (laughs) to me. Um, But I think think trauma might actually be the right word, like, almost on a societal level. Like, we all see kind of what happens when you push back against that gendered lane, Um, you know, kind of whichever side you're doing it from. Like, I've even experimented with like buying men's clothes, like men's button downs um, back when I first came out. Cause I thought like, Oh, queer women are all butch or like mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you have to like have the snapbacks and the button downs, which I, you know, then realized I can be, you know, feminine wear dresses and everything. Um, but I went in and I was like, okay, if anybody questions this, I'm going to say like, I'm buying my brother a birthday present or something. Like I had this like explanation and nobody even looked like, <laughs> No one cared, but I was so prepared to like face this pushback. And I feel like it's more magnified for men, like wearing dresses because women, you know, there's like, oh, she's a tomboy, whatever. Like, I feel like it's a little bit more acceptable to want to be more masculine and less acceptable to want to be more feminine. I agree. And like, I would ask people to think about why that is and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is their devaluing of the so-called feminine? Um, mm. And 
like I kind of feel like even in in feminist circles, there's a raising up of masculine values in the hierarchy sometimes. Um, like I've come to think of whatever we call masculine and feminine, because I, I look it up and I thought about it a lot. Like, what do those terms mean? It, it's really circular reasoning. Mm -hmm. Anything that's associated with men is masculine. So, you know, over over time and across cultures, that means different things. But anyway, let's just stay with the terms. Um, <laughs> I forgot where I was going. I forgot what I start. I forgot oh, what I, I forgot what I uh, what I started. <laughs> oh, about the about oh, the good. hierarchy, no, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've come to think of masculine and feminine as like these two wisdom traditions that have mm -hmm. a lot of positive to, you know, to spread they also come with their own baggage and i feel like i want to have access to both traditions and so what that means for me is like yeah i can i can dress totally femme one day i can dress totally masculine the next day but like most days it's like a mix um and i feel like the way that i dress opens me up to possibilities that I wouldn't have if I, you know, it's not, it's not like up here. It's like in my body that I felt that fear and trauma and it's in my body that mm -hmm. I feel like I need to open up to other possibilities and like clothing and dress and appearance becomes this enforcement mechanism. That's a reminder on our bodies every single day to stay in our lane. And the lane for men, I think, is narrower because I think over the past 50 or 60 years, women have stepped forward and taken, um, like, created a wider space, right? You can wear the boy jeans or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But if a guy puts on a skirt or a dress, it's like, It's very still very strong reactions, even here in liberal, the liberal epicenter of like, you know, of Brooklyn. It mm -hmm. can feel very fraught walking around in a skirt or a dress. And um, I'm hoping that that's going to change because it's not just about the clothing. Um, when I... Mm -hmm allowed myself more space around gender so many aspects of my life have changed um in ways that i never would have imagined ways that i wasn't aware of um and i'd like that for for more people you know that's what i that's what i'd really like to share that opportunity so it doesn't have to, let's say for a man who's like, who's really petrified of a dress. 
Well, maybe just walk around in the women's department. And how does that feel, right? Do you have to have a story, like you were saying? Do you have to have a story ready in case anybody catches you in the wrong department? And I've had people say things to me and nasty things when I was in the wrong department. So I get it. Right. But maybe that's your that's your place where you can find awareness of your fear and how much it's limiting you. Like you can't even walk through a woman's department. You can't walk, you can't pick up something in the, on the makeup count at the makeup counter. Um, you're buying mm-hmm. a toothbrush and you're not going to consider the pink one. Like that would be like, <laughs> like, and notice the feelings that come up. And so like, I would encourage people wherever that edge is, you know, that doesn't feel like too much and too overwhelming, take a chance and then notice how the feelings that come up. And through that noticing, you may come to see how much you've closed off from your life. If you're anything like I was like, this is what I did for, you know, most of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. We um, had a fashion student on a couple of weeks ago And we were talking about men's fashion and like you see all these men who wear, you know, the very boring suits, but they'll have fun socks underneath. Right. right? (laughs) As like a little self-expression. And it's like, they're so desperate for that color and expression, but they just like almost need permission. Right. Like I know guys who will start with painting their nails and then they'll move to like, Oh, they'll add eyeliner or like eye makeup. And it's just kind of piles on right but I almost just need that first little push of like it's okay to do more than fun socks I hear that I, t- I totally hear that and it's funny my wife and I went for um Manny Petty's a few weeks back and I noticed that another couple uh that was there just having their their uh having manicures and he he must have been around 30 they must have been around 30 years old let's say and i and i just had this instinct that this is his first manicure <laughs> and it was such a joy to see and it's funny like we finished about the same time we weren't really in the same area but we ended up outside the salon at the same time and i i see him looking at his nails and i said uh, i i think uh your nails came out great. And he says, you know, this is my first time that I've, you know, I grew up in a household where these kinds of things were, you know, frowned upon for, for boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like, it, it gets me thinking about um, now that I've been doing manicures and pedicures for seven years, I've had occasion to see some men but what I don't see are little boys and I see a lot of little girls and yeah. I see moms are bringing their little girls in three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, whatever. And they're not bringing their boys in. Um, And my hope is that that would, that that would change that moms would realize that there is a real wisdom in in this act of giving people the opportunity to think about self-care around their body, Mm -hmm. self-expression. And it's really important. It's an important value that boys and men don't experience. And if you don't connect to your body and your self-expression, you're not connecting to your emotions. 
um, and my experience. And so it, you know, it kind of explains some of that lockdown that so many boys and men have around emotion. Absolutely. I I have hope for change because like when, when I was a kid, there was this movie called The Bad News Bears. And I think they did a remake, but this was like back in the 70s. And I don't know if you know it, but it's about a little league team that's like really awful, you know? Um, but they have like one good player and it's a girl, you know? Mm-hmm. The girl, of course, doesn't end up on any of the others. She ends up on uh, on The Bad News Bears. So like this was a like a thing in the 70s as a girl in Little League. By the time my son is born and five years old and ready to start to play baseball, every girl out in the suburbs of New Jersey where we lived at the time had the opportunity to play baseball. Like the world had completely shifted. And mm-hmm. dads were out there with their daughters. It was those days all the coaches were definitely still dads. Yeah. And they realized that, oh, they love sports. There's a lot of great values around it, you know, um, building up your uh, self-determination and and uh, working with a team and all, all the things that people love about competitive sports. And they mm-hmm. shared that with their daughters and now no not every girl is going to like baseball but they'll know if they like baseball right oh absolutely yeah but with boys still today like i'm one of those boys i had no idea that i would want to paint my nails or get a manicure i had no idea who knows how my life would be different if i had that experience and i feel like every boy should have that opportunity to decide. It doesn't have to necessarily be around nails, but it's a good place to start. Yeah, it's like the opportunity was never presented. Yeah, it was never presented. And I didn't, like, I didn't have any strong feeling about it. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, some boys, they, like, they feel that, they notice it, and they have a strong attraction. Oh, they, they wish, and they, may feel like, you know, that society isn't, or the families or whatever is not giving them the opportunity to do something that they want mm-hmm. and they have a strong feeling. Me? No, it's like, they told me, no, I never, I never thought about it again. Whatever. I don't know if anybody told me no, you know, but the message was received. Yeah. They didn't really need to tell you. Right. I mean, from the moment I was born, I was put in boys clothes and told I'm a boy mm-hmm. and put in that lane. So I accepted it. It's like men aren't allowed to like pamper themselves in any way. Like I remember when I was quite young, the whole like metrosexual thing was happening. Like they had to develop a term just for men who like thought it was okay to like use moisturizer <laughs> yes. and like <laughs> take like care of themselves and have good hygiene. Like it was just so wild. And you still see now like, you know, guys posting like, hey, is it gay to, you know, whatever, like self-care thing? Because it's like being gay is the worst thing or being thought of as gay is like the worst thing, right? So they aren't allowed to take care of themselves. Right. It's like a certain, 
like you you have like a certain number of passes that you think that you like you, you, you know you can do like one thing and still you know get away with it or whatever it might be but if it's like two things mm. or three things then you're like over the limit like yeah you know you could be either a hundred percent man or 98 percent but or, or whatever the number might be but don't take on too many things because then it means something about you like and whether it's you're gay or you're a pussy you know which is like oh guy doesn't want to be called a pussy and it's really weird because like for a straight guy presumably like that's something that you like you know so like why is that an insult (laughs) i don't know i don't get it how is that an insult but like you want to avoid that and you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a lot of strange a, a lot of strange uh rules let's say you know absolutely a lot of strange rules just kind of bring it back to your book um when i first read it i had no idea what i was walking into because i don't even know how your publicist found me um this little you know place up in alberta but i read it and i was really <laughs> impressed um with quite a bit of it but there was one bit specifically that talked about like kind of offloading the duties of being appealing onto women right? And all of this work that goes into it. Um, And I just was wondering if you wanted to sort of speak to that. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I've learned um, over these past few years was that because I didn't have access or ability, like there's there's a, a certain amount of like actual just like learning that you need to do. So like when I started to explore, it's like, you should have seen some of the choices that I made, like, you know, the fashion stuff. It's like, but, you know, I was like a, a teenager, even though I was 50 years old, because I'm like first learning about my body mm. and, and how to express myself. Um, but, but I soon came to realize that the most uncomfortable feelings that I have, like the similar to what I had when I wore that dress that first time, it was not necessarily around women's clothing per se, because there were times that I was wearing like these, I, I, I got super into uh, jeggings in the beginning. Like that was one of my big things, jeggings. Oh my God, they're so comfortable. How did I never wear jeggings in my life? So that's one thing I would say to men, like the whole legging jegging things, it's just worth breaking things down just to, for that you know absolutely i love ladies (laughs) (laughs) the thing is for men and for me like my my male body parts were like the shadows of them were showing in certain things that i would like you could see the shape of me right Mm -hmm. and i would feel it was funny but i would feel that same fear of that i felt in a dress when like mm-hmm. my genitalia had any like visibility, not actually, but like some shape. I had some shape, you know? Um, and I came to realize that like, if I present my body as a subject of beauty or desire, if I have shit clothes that have shape, 
around my butt or whatever it might be. That was how I felt like the most uncomfortable or feminine in that sense. Like, mm -hmm. so like it wasn't so only about the clothing, but it was like about presenting myself as that subject of and connecting to myself as a subject of beauty or desire. And through that realization, like I realized that I'd been contracting that out to women my whole life. And so consequently, my relationship to desire changed. It used to feel more lurchy, you know, like acquisitive. Interesting. And now I feel like I have I have that I feel about my body that I am equal. My body is equal as a gift to give and to receive. And so I still have a I still have a, a very healthy erotic life, but there's a different quality to it that shifts and this this is something that i think men would a lot of men would have a really hard time believing mm. you know there's so much around uh men and testosterone and hormones and like this is the way we feel but i like i feel like something's changed even chemically in my body i don't know that that's true so although interesting. It, although it could be because nobody's studied it, they've done some studies around animals in this regard. So I don't want to rule it out. I would like to be a subject of a scientific study <laughs> if somebody wants, but they can't go back in time <laughs> to, to see how I've changed. But um, there's a really good feeling around connecting to my own body in this way um and to feel that um sometimes it can feel like power and sometimes it can feel like vulnerability which is like mm -hmm. that's something that i never really knew that connection of like that like if i put on a pair of heels and you know something sexy that feels like there's a power but that also feels like a vulnerability and they go yeah. seem to go hand in hand. I never had access to that. All these things are like really juicy. And so like, I would hope that boys and men would have access and think about gender, not only in the terms of gender identity or social justice, but to think about mm -hmm. their own well-being there are a lot of benefits of breaking down this fear um, in my experience. And, you know, I just invite men to, to take a step. Take, I, I don't want to say only men because it's seven years on and I still know that there's the, I still know that the theater around gender is, it's really strong. And I, I can't live outside mm -hmm. of it, but I can live more spaciously. Um, I don't think it's escapable, but I think there's there's a lot more room that a person can make for themselves. 
if they start to think about all the things that they've shut out of their lives and never considered. I love that spacious kind of definition. <laughs> that's that's really, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, so the connecting to the body thing, I think is really important because when you sort of, we have all these gendered ideas kind of forced on us and it doesn't really matter your gender, um, we're all kind of forced into these lanes. And when that doesn't align with kind of what you want for yourself, um, and that idea of wanting to make space, um, you do feel really disconnected from your body. Right. And there's this euphoria when you kind of get that connection back or when you gain that connection for the first time. Um, so it's just really interesting hearing people, you know, talk about being reconnected with their bodies like that. Yeah. A big part of my a big part of my journey has been around embodiment gender there's been a, a learning to connect more deeply to my body and like in this what i'll call like the a very very happy accident like at the age of like 52 i became multi-orgasmic <laughs> and what that meant to me interesting yeah <laughs> yes like Whenever I have doubts about my journey and my path and my exploration, I have this affirmation from my body that's just telling me, yes, yes, yes. And um, like there was some part of my body or my brain or somewhere that must have associated multiple orgasms with a feminine. And as I connected to my body and was more open to the feminine. Um, and I was also very into this book by Gay Hendricks called The The Big Leap, um, which the, I guess the main theory is that we set a level to joy and pleasure and happiness at when, and our, when our childhood. And anytime we get too close to that level, we don't, it feels very uncomfortable and we do things to bring ourselves back down. So I was really into that book. I was doing my gender exploration and really connecting to my body through this five rhythm dance. And then like they all came together and orgasm separated from ejaculation. And I just started having these full body orgasms. Now, I can't promise that to men <laughs> who go down this path. I wish I could, you know, but like, there's another reason. My body is just telling me, yes, my body is telling me, yes. Um, and it was a big surprise. I just like, when it happened, I just couldn't believe it. And, uh, and I'm, you know, been going strong ever since. So, <laughs> So I feel like, you know, <laughs> there's another reason to think about, you know, your relationship to body hair. And that's, it started with my relationship to body hair. Interesting. Yeah. Is there, um, we're kind of coming to around an hour here. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on that we didn't get a chance to yet? Yeah. So I want to like hit on something really simple, like simple and straightforward for men. Mm -hmm. And that is underarm hair. Oh, okay. I used to play a lot of basketball. 
like until I guess I was around 40. And guys would like be bringing multiple changes of t-shirts, sweating like crazy. And there was never any consideration like that most men have any education to think about like <laughs> maybe trim your, your underarm hair, trim it, just trim it. You don't even have to shave it off. Like I started maybe shaving it off. I didn't like that either. I like, I like to trim it, but like I've cut down my, my sweating by like, and my deodorant use by like 90%. I was like, where did this, why is it that nobody taught me that like to think about that, to actually have some awareness and intention about something like it, it may, it shouldn't feel quite as fraught as like the hair on your legs, but like, why did nobody ever tell us boys that you could trim your, just get the trimmer and trim it. And it's like, it's, it's life-changing so that's like, that's so interesting that you bring <laughs> that up. Like I worked in the fitness industry and I knew that was actually a conversation that I would sometimes hear some of like our guys having, um, right. Is they would be talking about BO and like these athletes, they'd be like, Oh dude, got to shave, got to shave your armpits. Like it's game changer, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So but yeah, I don't know why I just thought like something simple and less fraught as you know that i think uh people might want to you know explore so they interesting go. and it'd be a good place to start right nobody really sees too much <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yes. awesome um yeah thank you um really quickly some queer joy um i guess mine is like this kind of feels like a cop-out but it's kind of this conversation um, just because I really love seeing like people and men, especially, um, breaking out of that little box that they're put in. And I think, yeah, like you said, we're kind of moving towards change and that's very exciting to see. Um, also, I know I complained about the snow when we first got on the call, but I am excited that it's starting to look like Christmas out. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's that joy. mine. Mm. Yeah. How about you? What's the source of joy for you this week, Eli? Well, this morning, actually, before uh, before this interview, I went to my five rhythms dance uh, nice. class this morning, and we really got to move and shake it out. And then um, one of the dancers is also a musician. They brought in these huge gongs and other instruments. And at the end of the dance, which is like mostly like a DJ kind of thing, they turned off the music and he got to play. And it was such a calm feeling. Like I felt the vibrations just like washing over me. Um, and it was such a joy and it's such a joy to be in in community and in movement and to be alive so that's my joy that's awesome i love that mm -hmm. um well thank you for joining us all the way from new york two hours ahead of us i'm gonna blame that for some of our connection issues the <laughs> the zoom connection had to go two hours back in time to reach me um <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, be kind to yourself and others, and we will see you next week. Bye.